Okay, well, and we're in. Folks, I'm I'm really not into the banter anymore. I'm like, I don't have anything to say. Uh, Nobody wanted to hear it anyway. They're like, you guys are boring. You sound like drive time morning talk radio. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 a it's an awesome part of this whole thing. And I mean that. Now, anyway, uh I'm I'm Ryan Harland, the Doddlers podcast. Complete. What do you want to talk about? <laughs> I want to talk about fallacies. Fallacies. Okay. And I have a question that I guess this this will be this episode will be called maybe. I don't know. And the question is are all fallacies created equal? The, you know, spin on the phrase. Should we Put all fallacies on the same level is essentially the, the question. Uh, we were talking ahead of this, and you were thinking that this is going to be kind of like a a big kind of what's your take. You know, it's, it's, it's going to be a long, not a short, but maybe not quite the type of, you know, it's sort of... Uh, I don't know if pithy is the right word, but just sort of, you know, condensed type of style of topic. It's not this person and there or these people and these ideas and we're just going on in the normal kind of episode that we do. It's kind of, I don't know, not abbreviated, but it's just more condensed or something. I think. We'll see. <laughs> kind of like this part uh, has been. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> well, nothing I do will ever be. Truly uh, condensed. I mean, as words come out of my mouth. But yeah, so I was watching a video. And I don't want to get into the details. I just want to... <laughs> we just want us to know that you watched a video. <laughs> well, no. I was watching a video, but I don't want to get into the details. You know, like, just there's going to be person A and person B type of thing. One person has sort of written a book and they were talking to the interviewer and another person in a different interview talked about that that book that person A had written. So person B is talking about person A's book and they they said some things about, 
you know, they ca- they called out some fallacies, or at least one fallacy, on person A. Person B called out, and the interviewer who you know knows them both was kind of like, oh, I don't know how I feel about all this. <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought, I I've never ever liked what I guess we're going to talk about today, and primarily, at least I am, what are called informal fallacies. Um, or informal logical fallacies. Not all of them. Some of them are fine. I don't have an issue with, but some of them I do, and I never really understood exactly why I had a problem with it, but then I thought about it a little bit, and I think now I have a better sense for what it is that bothers me about a lot of informal logical fallacies that get thrown around in conversations. Just so you, you know, got to derail you, right? I gotta pause for a minute because this is a crusade that I have not yet abandoned, though I'm relatively getting close because apparently, as usual, I'm losing and everyone else uses language this other way. But I think you did it right at first. I think that we should call these things informal fallacies, period. Not informal logical fallacies. I think that's almost an oxymoron. Logical fallacies are the formal fallacies, the ones they are, according to the rules of some given logic, these are structurally incorrect. They are invalid. They don't work according to the rules. But informal fallacies, the problem is not with the structure, but with the content, it's not about the form. That's why they call them informal. So that I think we mm-hmm. should, if we're going to use logical fallacies, I think that might as well just be a synonym with formal fallacies and that we shouldn't say informal logical fallacies. A lot of people call all of these things logical fallacies. I think they should stop that. And you had it right in the first place when you just called them informal fallacies. Tell us how you really feel. Uh, <laughs> Always. Um, I, I, I wanted to call them logical fallacies, all of them, because it allows me to then do this thing. I'm gonna this little bit that I'm gonna run through this entire episode where I make an L and I make it, you know, I make an L sound like a W sound, you know, and so it would be logical fallacies. But I guess you okay. don't. Do, you care know, about me. You go ahead and you do your Bugs Bunny impression <laughs> or Elmer Fudd or whatever the fuck you're doing, but I just it's under protest. I don't care <laughs> if you do it. I told you everyone else is doing it wrong also. And you can call them that for your aesthetic artistic license reason, but they're not fucking logical. All right, carry on. Did you did you did you did you feel the eye rolling? Anyway, Yes, that's fine. I, you know, noted. Okay, well, that was part two. (laughs) Let's go to part one. Okay, so I've said this before, and you'll probably derail me here, too. You'll be like, and I'll just be like, God damn it. I might even read just to be as clear as possible what I have written. But I've said this before, and I'll say it again. And it's a thought that I had sort of a breaking point earlier in my life when I was kind of more immersed in academia and all that. Um, And I just think that 
this is, a, this is the bumper sticker, I guess, that confidence is either an illusion or a delusion. So if it's a delusion, then, you know, you're just, you're biased. And this is the state we're all pretty much in. You know, we don't want to be, but, you know, we've as we've encountered uh, or as we've laid out in this, you know, podcast a number of times, you know, accessing the truth is likely not a possibility and or a probability, a high probability, a high likelihood. But, you know, even if you did have it, you wouldn't likely know it or you just wouldn't be aware of it. So in this state, it's just the normal state of things. And so confidence can be something where you just feel like, yeah, I've got these pieces of information. I've locked them together and I'm really getting somewhere now. And which is fine. And sometimes people come across very confidently because they, you know, uh, feel good about what they've learned. But, you know, no one's omniscient. No one's perfect. Everybody's fallible. We've, we've covered this quite a bit in this podcast. However, if confidence, if your confidence or my confidence or whatever is an illusion, then I think your role in this sort of almost silent narrative is that you're a quote-unquote bad guy. You're a deceiver. You're deluding or illu- you're creating an illusion that others are believing. And you're doing it, you know, let's say, I've here's how I would put it. Like you have no reason to suspect a particular behavior of a system to be occurring or to have occurred or whatever. But you report it anyway in order to misdirect your audience to this is going to be a buzz phrase throughout the night, maybe. You shift the focus, as they say, away from one thing and onto another. So, for example, to use some big bad guys out there, Putin and Trump, when asked, typically it seems like in interviews or whatever, big conferences or things like that, some journalist will be you know, asking them about some atrocity they may have been associated with or something like that. They always kind of try and level the playing field by shifting the, shifting the focus onto something else. It's a definite tactic strategy of, you know, liars. And, uh, you know, they'll say like Putin will say something to the effect of like, Oh, and you don't think America hasn't done the same or something along those lines. Or Trump will be like, I condemn the violence that happened on all sides or whatever. So basically, you know, if it's not for the purposes of entertainment, an illusion is sort of this antisocial sort of it's sort of a no-no in human groups and communities. It affects trust, it corrodes the social cohesion, um, which affects what Harlan likes to call our projects. So it's kind of one of those things where you can incur a cost if you're caught and you, you know, well, usually when people get caught, they deny it anyway, but... That's, I guess, why we have courts of law and stuff. Um, but anyway, that's kind of the basic kind of background to kind of where I'm coming from a little bit in this whole thing. Yeah, and so the other one other thing I wanted to mention is that one of the defenses against people who would create an illusion is like call-out culture, you know, calling somebody out, always having a call-out ever ready, you know, and present especially in the court of public opinion, those people who aren't true psychopaths or whatever might feel ashamed and crawl away 
and be like, eh, you know, everyone thinks I'm not perfect anymore. I might as well go away. So anyway, do you have anything that sticks out to you about anything like what I just said? Or Are delusions pro-social? No, they're just, you're just, you know, you've got a brain and it, it's biased. And, you know, so it's kind of like, you know, a delusion. Like you're really, you, you especially when, you know, you're really starting to think about things. You can have confirmation bias. You can have all these various kinds of biases that you sort of delude yourself into thinking are, you know, absolutely relevant. But you wouldn't know if they're totally relevant. You just know you've taken pieces together, taken pieces of information together and uh, created something and you feel good about it or whatever it is. You think that there's something there. You have confidence in it. And that's kind of where I was going with that. Hmm. I think that I think they that a case could be made that they are. But I'm going to leave that case to next week. Oh. Foreshadowing. Because I think that's one of the claims that Terrence McKenna would make. And that's what I think we're going to talk about next time. Okay. Oh. <laughs> the, you know, that there's, that culture is some sort of a shared delusion amongst. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, but you're, but the point that you wanted to stress wasn't about delusions, but was about illusions, that they are somehow taboo, despite, apparently, Trump's and etc. success, apparent success, you're saying that illusions are in your parental terms, a no-no, because (laughs) they are designed and implemented to trick and fool and... And in a way, in an entertainment setting, it's kind of, you know, you're taking the faux pas or whatever, the taboo, etc., all the, the, you know, the negative connotation that's in an illusion that, you know, a trick that someone's trying to do. And, you know, you're kind of exploiting it for the purposes of entertainment, almost in a sort of kinky way, if you, if you will, you know, it's like, Oh, you know, he's tricking us and we're liking it, you know, like versus most of the time where it's like, I'm being tricked and they're taking all my money, you know, or whatever. Hmm. You know, we don't say to the illusionist on stage that he's a con man. Like, we paid money to go see him, like, trick us. You know, so you can have entertainment purposes for it. But in general, I think that when it's not being freely asked for or paid for, then it's uh, it's a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, yes, so we've covered the fallacies as to the informal and formal. One's about structure, the other's about content. And so I don't really know if there's much else to say, except there are, in the informal fallacies, there's at least three flavors that I know of. There might be more than that. Uh, And you can fill us in if there are. But the three that I am aware of are relevance, sufficiency, and clarity. Those are the flavors. Relevance is about like how an argument or a component of an argument, like a premise or whatever, is not important or related to the main sort of thesis the argument is intended to support. Sufficiency is kind of about enough. Like, is there enough evidence to support the conclusion? 
and clarity is concerned with any vagueness and ambiguity in the argument that is an impediment to supporting the conclusions. And I say that the informal fallacies are the famous ones as far as I think the general public would be concerned. Would you agree with that? Red herring, straw man, cherry pickers, all those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are the big ones. And I don't know of too many formal fallacies that just people walking down the street who don't have an education in logic or whatever would know about. Are there any? Or I think you're probably right that the informal ones are more well-known to the layperson. And then are there any other forms of informal fallacy or any other flavors, as I was calling them, besides the three that I mentioned? Probably, but I don't know. I don't know flavors, nice. so I have nothing to add to that right now. That's fine. I mean, it's just an it's an it's just additional for those who want to know. I don't know if it's going to come back and we're going to really you know use it as a leverage for something else necessarily. I would say I I think this is what I'm about to talk about. It's sort of. You know, the fallacious fallacies um, that I'm about to talk about. I think it's kind of murky water. Um, So I kind of, I'm going to do the best that I can with trying to lay out what what I think about some fallacies. And I guess the, you know, just sort of right off the bat, I think some of them are fallacies in themselves, you know. So, okay, I'll set the table. So you've got two interlocutors, as you philosophers like to say. And I'll say the one is the claimant, and the other one is the author. The author is making an argument that may or may not be fallacious. The claimant is making a claim that the author's argument is fallacious. So my claim, therefore I am a claimant, is that there are a number of informal fallacies that are themselves fallacious, and that the reason is because they commit a single informal fallacy. Uh, there may be other ones happening, but at the very minimum, at least one. And that is the ad hominem fallacy, which is also known as argumentum ad hominem, or argument against the person. Um, here the focus is shifted from the thesis to the argument's author and their their character. Like many informal fallacies, I think there are these sort of silent premises that can be brought to light. It's about the content, as Harland mentioned earlier on. I'll do my best here to kind of walk through them. But if you want, Harland, we can take a pause if if there's anything that you want to talk about. About fallacious fallacies or a fallacy fallacy or something like that. Um, I don't know that this is the spot for that. I think you're kind of on the trail of a query here. Of a on the trail of a query. Yeah. It's not a trail to a quarry, it's it's a trail to a query. Or maybe it's a quarry. A quarrel? Anyway. So I wanna pick on some cherished favorites. <laughs> I'm I'm not gonna talk about the delusion stuff, the bias. Just going to address the illusionist that is trying to create, it's trying to shift the focus and stuff. All right. I don't think I'm going to hit every single one of these, uh, but I'll just list them off and then I'll just talk about some of them. 
Because I, I don't know. It seemed kind of like overly redundant. And I know you philosophers feel like you only need one example and that's enough. So I'm going to try and find some middle ground between the quote-unquote scientist and the quote-unquote philosopher and what their aesthetic appreciations are. <laughs> so the, the different kinds that I'm in particular thinking about are like the red herring fallacy, straw man fallacy, hasty generalization to an extent, slippery slope, uh, one called false cause, which is just correlations, not causation, usually is, I guess, what that one is. And then, of course, cherry picking. I guess I'll start just with red herring. So the idea of the red herring fallacy is that the author tries to divert attention away from the argument. So I don't, you know, why would someone do this? I don't know. But I'm guessing they don't have much confidence in the argument, but they do have some in themselves, maybe. I don't know. Uh, otherwise, you know, why enter the fray? Is this not about deception? I think the claim then is that of, you know, one where the claimant is shifting the focus from the thesis to the person, the deceiver. So you're just saying, so the, dis, the herring, the red herring, trying to think of a good example of one. And of course, I don't have one. Do you have one you could throw out there? Well, you didn't tell me to prepare for that. Well, I didn't know. I'm just, but I figure you you love this shit, and you're just sort of like, well, of course, from my educational days as a educated person, getting my education. I don't remember those anyway, days anymore. That's all right. Anyway, it, it could, I, I the only example that for some reason is coming to my mind right now, and I'll I'll like regret it. I'll rue the day. Is we <laughs> used to do this thing as a joke, where. If in math, in college, in some of my math classes, a friend of mine and I would sometimes draw a monkey when we were like going through, uh, you know, part of our equation, you know, uh, uh, where we were solving some equations or whatever. And we didn't want to have to write it all out. We just wanted to skip through. Maybe it was usually like on a test and we only had so much time and we just want to flip through the next, you know, to get to where we know we need to get to without demonstrating every single step. I know it's like illegal, but, um, we always used to draw a monkey and look something that's just like, look at the monkey, you know? And I kind of feel like it's sort of like, sort of the idea of a red herring is sort of, you're diverting attention away from like what's happening, even though of course we weren't doing a very good job of that because we were being blatant and we were self-aware or whatever about that whole situation. Anyway, I, I may have gone on too long about red herrings, and you're not jumping in, so I'm going to move on. Well, okay, you're, are you going to take a minute to talk about your critique of these, or you just want to run through what they are for a minute first? I figured I could just run through a couple of these and okay. then have the critique after. Okay. Straw man, that's the one that's often said, you know, oh, it's a... You, you made a straw man. Nowadays, there's something called a steel man, but I won't get into that. Uh, maybe it's not nowadays, but it's being brought up a lot. The uh, straw man fallacy is the misrepresentation of an argument in order to make it easier to attack. You know, and uh, so this doesn't seem very honest or fair. In order to call the author out on it, one must imply, however, that they're being deceitful. It is no longer about their argument or thesis. And then finally, cherry picking, which is actually the one that got me going on all this. This the, the first two, I think, are relevance in the relevance flavor category. 
And then this one I'm about the cherry picking is I think a sufficiency one. It's also known as suppressed evidence fallacy. This is where the claimant claims the author is suppressing evidence and boosting other information that supports their argument. You know, you know, so they're suppressing some that hurts their argument potentially and boosting information that helps them. <laughs> what a smarmy jerk. I'd say with these fallacy claims, in order to call out a fallacy, the claimant like needs evidence to support it. But then if the author is trying to deceive, then the claimant is still inadvertently committing a fallacy by making everything about the author, and that fallacy is the ad hominem fallacy. So if you're saying somebody is suppressing evidence, and they're doing it while at the same time they're boosting other information, if they're not deluding themselves, you know, confirmation bias or whatever it is, and they are deliberately trying to do that, then you unfortunately are, whatever it is that they're saying, you're just, you can't help it. But if you're going to point that out, you got to like say, hey, this person's not playing fair. They're not playing by the rules or whatever it is. You're shifting the focus away from whatever it is that they're talking about. And anyway, um, and of course, if then it is something where they are deluded or whatever, then who isn't, you know, who is perfect out there, you know, that could... I don't feel like I sound like Jesus. I'm like, yeah, you know, whoever's not sinned, cast the first stone. But I think it's that thing. Like, it's just like, okay, well, they could do better and maybe they'll learn or whatever. But I just think it's a tricky thing to find yourself in. And you have to, I think to an extent, if it, it, I'm just, and mostly I'm just looking in the mirror here. You have to be comfortable with the fact that as you claim somebody's argument is fallacious, and in doing so, you're talking about it being that they themselves are, are to blame, that it isn't some structural issue, then you kind of have to be comfortable with the fact that, you know, you're making a fallacy as well. And I don't know, my impression is that people, when they do that fallacy stuff in a conversation with like, oh, you're cherry picking or whatever, that that's not what they want the result to seem like. <laughs> That they are as well, like, well, I don't have to douse myself in gasoline and light myself on fire to prove my point. You know, like, they they don't want to do that. They want to come out, like, on their trusty steed with the shining armor, I kind of think. but Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, what you're calling the claimant, people who accuse others of fallacious argumentation, mm-hmm. do not think that they are guilty of a fallacy in so doing right and i that's what i'm saying i think is happening that's what you're saying you think is happening yeah and my what i <laughs> i'm like i'm like you are correct sir <laughs> but so the the main thing then so the is, main thing um, is what is the main thing <laughs> I know there was that movie Brazil. I won't get into it, but I guess it's an old comic bit. Yeah, I guess I just feel like uh, feel like you got me all discombobulated. I we're yeah, not here to I, talk about your feelings. <laughs> I know, Jesus Christ! But we could if we wanted to, right? Like this is a free space to be like feelings. Yeah. Anyway. 
<laughs> so yeah, I just uh, for me, if I'm looking in the mirror, I'm, I gotta be like, well, all right, I guess I'm gonna have to make a you know be be wrong in a way in order to point out that someone else is seemingly wrong. I don't think that there's the other thing I'm saying by this that in making a fallacy claim, you are as well making a fallacy sometimes in some of the cases that I just pointed out. But that I think uh, sometimes it might be just, it might be a good idea, you know, to just bite the bullet and do it. Sometimes people are trying to pull the wool over your eyes or whatever. It's, it is what it is. And maybe because these are also informal, it's not nearly as big a deal. I don't know. I do think that it's social though, for sure. Because often these things seem to crop up in the social setting. Is is that it? Is you done, or is there more coming? I don't. I, I no. I mean that's pretty much that's pretty much it. Is this turning into a short? Yeah. I just. I mean the other. Yeah. I think I've said everything I wanted to say because you know I just I think that it's. I don't know. I I don't know if this is enough for you to go off of, I guess, is really what it comes down to. Because you're like, is that it? And I'm like, oh, Jesus. Do you have any... Am I not in, like, spiring much? No, I have... I'm going to go off, but I want... Oh, you're just waiting. (laughs) To make... Go off, man. I want to be confident that the listener understands your point before I demolish it. Mm. And I'm not confident that that has occurred yet oh you just went you said you were going to go through the three then go back and do your critique of them i know you did cherry picking but did you go back through straw man and red herring and tell us why those are ad hominem well red herring i mean again it's either the person is just deluded or they're creating on purpose a diversion so that you don't have to pay attention to what they're saying. The laying blame, like, you know, Hey, Putin, you, you killed all those people and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, America did it, you know, or whatever. I don't know if that's exactly a red herring, but that's sort of a, a direction that it seems to these kinds of diversions seem to go in. And so I'm, I think the claim then ultimately with the red herring fallacy, when someone's making that claim, is that the the claimant is shifting the focus themselves from the thesis that the person has to say to them, and it could it could all be correct to do that. I'm just saying that at the same time, it seems to me like what you here you have this ad hominem shifting the focus from the thesis to the person fallacy and that just that's it seems to be exhibited very clearly to me anyway in that red herring fallacy in the straw man fallacy there's this whole idea that you're misrepresenting an argument in order to make it easier to attack it but in order to call the author out on it you have to imply that they're being deceitful um or they're just that one's harder to say that they're just being dumb unless they really are just being short-sighted or hasty or whatever it is but it's no longer about whatever it is that they're doing it's about them and that's again i think the ad hominem fallacy if i am 
unless I'm wrong, are you coming in to be like, are you going to sweep in with your eagle wings and be like, no, it's all wrong because you're wrong about, and then I'm going to be like, yeah, it's an ad hominem attack. (laughs) Maybe, because apparently everything (laughs) is in your world. No, I didn't say that. I said I, I selected a few of these informal ones, which to me seemed to be carry with them in there, if you were to make the claim that it's a red herring or whatever, embedded in there is this ad hominem fallacy, it seems to me. In general, that's, I guess, where my question comes from is, are all fallacies created equal? Like, are where would we put them then? Like, are is the red herring, straw man, haste generalization, all these ones that may have uh, this ad hominem in them, are they... On a higher level, and the ad hominem then is just this sort of kind of throwaway, like, oh, well, it's in all of these, so, you know, how are we going to make fallacy claims if, you know, we can't just ignore, you know, that part of it? Or is it that these things all get knocked down a level, and it's this ad hominem thing that seems to be at the higher level? I wouldn't say that, from my guess, if you have a fallacy within another fallacy, they aren't at the same weight class or level even if they fall within the same kind of category or something like that. So that, that I'm done. Go. I think the simplest, the first thing that comes to mind as to how to express my dislike of this account that you're laying out is <laughs> in extra bonus points for me, it comes, the cliche comes from the Christians you we hate the sin and not the sinner ryan when i'm pointing out that there is a red herring included in premise 4 of this argument i'm not even talking about the author i'm merely talking about this argument or perhaps even this premise of this argument i don't even need to know who the author is let alone accuse the author of being an antisocial illusionist. All I'm interested in is the presence of a red herring in this argument. I don't see how this, how the tokening of X is fallacious claims is even most of the time ad hominem, let alone necessarily. Does that make sense? What's your definition then of like a red herring? I don't know. Yeah, I wish we, I should, I or we should have prepared a a great example. Your definition was a fallacy where the author of an argument tries to divert attention away from the topic at hand, right? Or the top, the, that which they are attempting to argue for. Yeah. And, I don't know, some kind of stupid example might be, well, we're having a debate about alternative models of quantum physics. And, well, I like the multiple worlds interpretation, and I like the hidden variables interpretation. And then maybe someone makes an argument that includes somewhere in there, well, if you do the Everett Wheeler-Graham model, then there wouldn't be any morally right or wrong in the universe. And therefore, that model must... Maybe someone else might come in and say, holy fuck, 
Well, that's a red herring. Like, why are we all of a sudden talking about morality? We were debating which, which model of quantum physics is preferable based on some given value set within science. And now all of a sudden I've got to talk about right and wrong? You're, that, that's just a distraction. You're, I don't know if that would count. I don't think it does, but go oh, crap. ahead. crap, why not? I think that's... What, is that not what they call a non-sequitur, what that person would be doing? Perhaps. But w- my point is, if someone does something like that, and then someone else says, invoking a morality premise there is fallacious, and we call it X fallacy, I don't see how that means they're saying anything about that author, we're just addressing that argument or even that premise and saying, I don't think it belongs and here's why. But I don't even, I don't need to go after the author. To make it ad hominem would, to me, would be more like saying, well, given that you're the type of person who would token an argument like that, we can't listen to you about any of your other arguments. You know, you've proven yourself to be an unreliable source. or you know, That might be closer to being against the person. But I don't see why pointing out the presence of a fallacious argument itself is against the person who made the putatively fallacious argument. Yeah, I don't know. This might be one of those cases where unless you have a definition that is, you know, supporting your point, it's hard for me to know, like, what to pay attention to because then I, I all I have right now is going back to my definition and saying, well, the interpretation that I have of something like that is that the author is attempting to divert the attention away, you know? To me, seems just straightforward. If if they're doing it in a way that you say, where they just don't realize or whatever, and there's this, there's something in there, although it's hard to, you know, why would you divert? See, I'm using my definition. I don't know what yours is. I don't, I'm not quite sure what, I don't know how to respond now to what you're saying. Claimants, the claim of, okay, so if I play the role of claimant, and j- again, I don't like this terminology, but when, for the purposes of tonight, a claimant is one who accuses an argument's author of constructing a fallacious argument. When I play the role of claimant, I'm not talking about the author at all anyway. I don't even care who the author is or if we know the author. I'm claiming that this argument is fallacious. I don't even care where it came from. Maybe a million monkeys on a million typewriters accidentally generated it. Where The location of the fallacy is in an argument, not in an author, and we can totally detach our fallacy calling. Oh, oh, there's a fallacy! Found one! I don't even... I'm not even looking at authors. I'm looking at the arguments themselves. Yeah, I'm, I, I... Again, I'm not able to... It's hard for me to know, okay, well, if, uh, I, I, without a definition of what you're saying one fallacy is or another, I understand what you're saying, but that I can see not applying if the definition is something close to what I'm saying. 
But if it's something else entirely, or if it's more ambiguous or vague or whatever, and it allows more stuff in, then I could be more willing to say, okay, well, I maybe made a mis- mistake or something or whatever, or you have a good point. But right now, I don't know what you're talking. I mean, I don't, in a way, you're talking a lot, but it's like, well, what about? Because you say we're, the word, you know, the phrase red herring, but then I'm not sure what follows after it. You know exactly what I think it is. Let's try this as an example. We'll hearken back to a previous episode, and we'll talk about a different informal fallacy that wasn't on your list, but I'll introduce another one and then point to what I think is an example of. This one is called special pleading. The Wikipedia definition of that is, a proponent of a position attempts to cite something as an exemption to a generally accepted rule or principle without justifying the exemption. Right? Like, yes, I agree with you that in general, rule X is the way to go, but in this case, we're going to go not X. And they don't even tell you why, they just do it. I think that is what Galen Strawson does with consciousness. Episode 20, right? Uh, The one about consciousness? Yeah. So when someone comes in and says, in general, I like science and naturalism and physics and materialism. Most of the time, that's the way our first world western society culture operates and it seems very successful and I like it and I want to be a naturalist. But then there's this thing that I call consciousness and it's special. It's different. It can never be explained by science because the first person subjective qualitative point of view is distinct and unique and special. I think a whole bunch of people special plead about consciousness. Right? And do you remember that? And does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Sorry. (laughs) So when Galen Strawson writes a sentence like that, and then I want to come along and say, that's an instance of special pleading, a fallacious instance. And I think that we, as reasonable adjudicators standing outside of these positions and just reading them over and deciding what we're going to think, we should throw that out because it's a fallacious instance of special pleading. This person agrees with us that in general we want to try to be naturalists, but then they have exempted the subjective realm from the traditional rules of science without telling us why. They just do it and they say, well, it's self-evident or something. You know, they don't they don't give us an argument. I don't see how when I'm doing that, I'm attacking Strawson as a person or whoever the author is that's making that. I'm talking about that the move or the claim or the argument attempt, not the person. I'm saying that instance chopping consciousness out and treating it as special and different without justifying why is fallacious. Not 
Strawson is a fallacy creating motherfucker and we got to go string him up. <laughs> right. I, I I think that's a very uh, extreme take though on ad hominem. I mean, it, it seems to me like you've got uh, varying degrees of what we're, you know, people are saying about each other. I would say that to me, I, I think that, you know, it's, it's right in there with, you know, I mean, I, I would even maybe say it's kind of one of those nice moves that a person can make without having to really actually be called out on it. Maybe that's what that is. Cause he talks about the great silliness. Well, who's doing the great silliness, right? It's a, it, you know, I mean, you could say, oh, it's all just about the, the, the thing itself, but Ultimately, you know, it's coming from, a, you know, an individual. I'm not quite sure exactly if, if, if one would be saying any, every ad hominem attack is against the person entirely, but that in that instance, they, they might be just deluded or whatever is kind of the implication there. Now, the explicit thing that you're doing is you're just saying to me, yeah, when I talk about Galen Strassen's a description of what's a you know of consciousness or the the domain of consciousness within the realm of other things like naturalism etc i think he's doing special pleading but in general i just think that that's still you're still implying that he's and his argument are you know his argument is fallacious but that he is fallacious as well i don't know i mean maybe i'm i haven't thought this all the way through at this point but i think it seems to me like an implication. To be ad hominem on purpose, I kind of think this whole thing is one giant ad hominem on your part because this is how you think. And I've known you for a while, and the listeners of the Doddler's Philosophy are getting to know you here on episode 35 or whatever the fuck we're on already. You should know. Well, it's different because we've got haunting the marginses and shortses and longses. And I think this is the 35th. And we started on episode zero. I think this is the 35th creation, but it's not number 35. No, right. <clears throat> you think this way. You got, we've all, one of the places that we differ the most is in our interpretations of other human beings. I tend toward cynical negative sometimes paranoid interpretations but one it's generally based on the people are stupid principle and you are more charitable and you know eh, everybody we're all the same we're all trying and we're just out here everyone has their individual struggles and they're doing the best they can and blah right <laughs> Just keep going. I don't know if, but go. Yeah. Oh, maybe those have shifted. Whatever. The what you're trying nice. to present tonight <laughs> seems to me to just be an idiosyncratic artifact of your social, intellectual slash social interpretation of how things work. There's something about it that I get that I understand and that I like and I and I think it can work this way that someone could be saying or emphasizing or the point of particular 
instances of fallacy accusations might be primarily ad hominem. I think that could happen. But I don't think that it is a necessary component of straw man, of tokening, that's a, you're straw manning me, or you're straw manning Galen Strawson, whatever. That doing that is always ad hominem. Because I, I feel like that's what you're trying to argue. Is that wrong? I think, yeah, I mean, I'm, I may be mistaken in, in, in any kind of always kind of thing. Um, but I think that you underestimate what people are doing when they use these uh, fallacies. I think you think that they're like you, like Spock, and I'm just looking, just the arguments, please. Like, I don't, I don't think that's what people tend to use these informal ones for. I think these, you know, these are social animals, and I think that people get freaked out by arguments and, 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 and other people having good ideas, and I think that they have a tendency to run people down. And it's funny, because you were saying that, I'm, that you're the cynical one about people, but I feel like you're being more charitable here in this case, and I am not. And I think that, you know, a lot of times you say things, and I just want to be like, I know you are, but what am I? <laughs> Like idiosyncratic. That, like, that sounds like an ad hominem. This is, nah. I I I think that this. Yeah, I think it's. I think we're slinging mud more than you're giving people credit for. The guy who talks about chimps, you know. Oh no, these are just the arguments. Like I I don't think so. I think that the 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 biggest part of a lot of this kind of stuff comes down to reputation, and I think it's social. I don't think it's, you know, this, you know, well, I'm just going to look at the arguments and only that. I, I think that you might be doing that, but I don't think that most people probably are. I mean, maybe maybe there's some serious philosophers out there or whatever who, you know, don't really have time for socializing, and so this is kind of what they're doing. But in some ways, I kind of find it, funny that you would think that somehow the argument has no reflection of the author when you just said to me that that was everything I'm saying is a reflection of who I am. Like, I think that it's all mixed and complicated. And I, I don't know. I, when I see people say, well, that's a, you know, cherry picking or whatever. You're, I mean, I think those are fighting words. I don't think those are just like, you know, oh, well, you know, in this argument that you have laid out, sir, for fun. This is cherry picking. No, people are putting their, their reputations on the line when they put their ideas out there and when they put their, you know, just their thoughts and they, they put themselves out there. I don't know. I don't think that this is this is a realm of, of uh, an inward, deep in the bowels of a library, looking through books. And I've, I think this is an open setting. And I think that people are milling about. And, you know, someone's up on a soapbox and someone else is yelling, straw man! Yeah, that's what I think is happening more often. And I would say that to me, these informal ones seem less academic, you know, less uh, intellectual or whatever. 
in a way, in the in the I know foreshadowing with Terrence McKenna, him talking about intellectuals are those who kind of are sort of out of the the fog of culture or whatever and are like, wait a minute, you know. Whereas I think fallacies, you know, when people use them in the in the in the in a more you know, open setting, which I think is when I tend to encounter them. It seems to me that those things are done to keep people in line, stay in your lane more than anything. Or, you know, I'm the expert here. Don't listen to the man behind the curtain. That is an interesting sociological commentary on, I don't know, I guess pseudo-intellectualism or something. I'm interested in the question of its prevalence because I think I understand your point and I think I agree that it happens. But it also seems to me to be rare and it apparently seems to you to be common. <laughs> right? Is that what you're saying? But I, well, maybe it's I'm going, you're deep in the bowels of a library and I'm encountering these things primarily out in a more open setting. But the people who are saying them often that I, I see these claims be made are not pseudo-intellectuals, right? Like these are often more the big names. Maybe in some philosophy, you know, at the, the lunch table, you and all your philosophy student co- cohort or whatever – are calling each other's things fallacies left and right or whatever. But just in general, you know, for myself at least, coming from more of the sciences, I mean, there's a few times when things get mentioned, but it's always the professors who would mention it, you know, or it's, you know, the people who are supposedly the intellectuals in the room. So I don't know. I mean, maybe they're just behaving in a pseudo-intellectual way because the setting calls for it more, whatever. They feel more comfortable making that kind of a claim. You mentioned earlier tonight this term, the fallacy fallacy, and it seems related to the type of behavior that you're pointing out as problematic. Let me just take a second to give you a part of my take on fallacy talk. All right. I think my impression of my society is that there's two types of people. <laughs> Claimants and authors? There's types of people who don't know what a fallacy is or means or give a shit, and they would never deal in this domain. And that would be, you know, whatever. 80% plus of people that aren't doing this, don't care, don't know. And, and me. Then... <laughs> There's the other 19% that are fallacy fetishists. They know, they've learned, oh, I'm a critical thinker, they'll say. They got all these buzzwords and and stuff. And they wear their little button uh, with, uh, I'm in the reason foundation or whatever. Oh, I'm a rational. And those people (laughs) think that they need, they've got this great, tool set now and they're like oh yeah i know what all the fallacies are and if i can run around and point them out then i'll just knock this stuff down and i'll destroy ah oh, look there there's a slippery slope fallacy 
it's exploded, like, done! And they run around with their white armor and their white horse, and they've got their sword out, and they're just chopping everybody down with fallacy accusations. Gorgeous. And very few people, in my estimation, have the attitude toward fallacy considerations that I like and find appropriate, which is a kind of middle path on this one, where I think it's a good thing to learn about them, to be familiar with, know the names and the definitions and how to detect them, but don't think that attributing X is a fallacy to something is an instant, automatic win. It's not a cheat code calling something a fallacy. When you call something a fallacy, you are making an argument. It's all communication. It's all the exchange of arguments amongst interlocutors. <laughs> and it's not like you are the hero riding in on your white horse and slaying the dragon by pointing out false causes and hasty generalizations. What you can yeah. do is attempt to rebut an argument given to you by say by take you know this is kind of the form that most if not all of these fallacies take. This text that you have just presented to me fits in this formula. This formula is suspect for this reason, therefore the argument you just made is suspect. Because it's in it's of the same form. It has a pattern in it. It has it's like these other things and I think we have reason to doubt things that are in that family, that have a family resemblance to this. Mm, Vitty. So that you're, that's your method of persuasion. You're saying most of the time when someone makes a move like that, you don't like it either, right, author? And then they're supposed to say, oh, yeah, you're right. And, you know, I don't like it when people make that move. And then you try to show them, well, are you not making that move right now? And then you try to show, you know, it is the construction that they made, does it fit the form of this fallacy? And then they say, okay, yeah, I see what you mean, and I'm doing that. And then you're like, okay, well, since you already agreed that that's not a great thing to do most of the time, we are at our aporia, and we've got these the branching path, is it the case that this time is different and my version is okay and here's why? Or is it, oh yeah, you're right, I now agree, I understand why I'm doing this bad thing and we should see if we can reformulate my point such that it works without being fallacious or I'll have to abandon the whole thing. Because when... People who talk about fallacies talk about fallacies and get down and dirty into the whatever. So many of them, you will hear, well, you know, they're not all fallacious. And one of the standards that comes up in this is, 
on certain lists of fallacies, you will see argument from authority. Fallacy, fallacy fetishists <laughs> might go around and say, oh, well, oh, there, there's another one. That's an argument from authority. You just, uh, you told me that this is true because Stephen Jay Gould told me it is. Well, that's an argument from authority. <laughs> but it's, I don't think it's the case, and it's definitely not pragmatically possible for most of us most of the time to never appeal to authority about anything. You know, the earth is round, or humans have been to the moon, or, you know, you, Mount Everest is the tallest. Or, yeah. Right. None of us have or will check all of these things out. Appeals to authority are ubiquitous. They're prevalent in most of our lives. We don't consider all of them fallacious. Well, cite your source is another thing we say. And if your source is good, then we okay, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess I'm willing to buy it then because I like Reuters. Or <laughs> So the, it's just not that simple. Almost all these things that are fallacious aren't always fallacious. Right, sure. So then, anyway, the, I was, this whole rap was started by talking about the fallacy fallacy. So then some clever people come up with that, and that's the little bumper sticker cliche to talk about these people or these instances where they think, if I can use one of these fancy labels, preferably the Latin version, <laughs> then I, you know, that, that sounds better. But to see, that's fallacious. <laughs> anyway. Like, if you call it ad hominem instead of against the man, then it sounds better. Well, that's fallacious. Anyway, that that's... Calling something a fallacy and thinking that you automatically win is the fallacy fallacy. Well, that doesn't... You can't just call something a fallacy and think that's an argu a knockdown argument. I'm lost. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have anything to say about all that that I just yelled? Well, I really got... I really... No, I, I, I agree, and I think I would like to... At least if I hadn't, if I started out seeming like I was like, it's all lies or whatever. And I can see where I got stuck on something though. When you were talking about the fallacy fetishists, you know how like people say there's like a murder of crows or whatever, you know, to talk about a bunch and they use a word to talk about that being murder. Yep. Do you know this? <laughs> I want there to be a fetish of fallacies. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Because it makes no sense. Like why? At least as far as I could tell, why they attach certain words to? Yeah, we the group know. words are often anyway. comedic or interesting. Or, a pod yeah. of dolphins yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So I fetish of fallacies. I'd like to lay claim to that here now. Well, it or at least have that. You may be the first. It begins yeah. here. Might be. Um, but I, I don't I don't have a huge issue with what you're saying. I think you made some good points about how not all things that we would call or brands of fallacy apply to all instances. Appealing to authority is certainly one of those. And I guess, you know, again to repeat myself a little bit, I you know, I don't know if I'm covering ground or if I if I set it up well or not, well enough or not, but 
you know, I wouldn't say that this idea of having ad hominem potentially within other fallacies, which I don't think you still agree or you still, I think you still disagree with that, but I'm not saying that you find that fallacy everywhere. And I don't think you find it always in every fallacy and all that. But I do think there are instances, at least open settings where, you know, people are exchanging more or less, perhaps even on the fly or they're making some kind of commentary on something or whatever, rather than an actual detailed critique or whatnot of an argument or some piece of text, as you like to say. I don't think that it's always going to be in that case. And I think you can engage with ideas in a way that's definitely going to, you know, work to say, well, this doesn't, you know, can you see how this, you know, you know, do you, do you not like it when people do this? No, I don't. Well, can you see maybe where there's, this might be happening and what you're saying and, Oh yeah. Or, or no, I don't, you jerk. Roll up your sleeves, <laughs> meet me outside. Anyway, but I don't know. I, I definitely, I kind of, I don't know. Yeah. I, I still think that sometimes people, when they say things a lot of the time, I think it's, they're trying to cut someone down. I, I just do. Do you intend this project of yours to be Boy. anti-fallacy discourse because that's how I'm hearing it. No. No, because I was saying earlier, like, if you're, like, I guess if you were to, be, now that we've had this conversation at this point, considering that you think somebody is trying to, you know, someone's being an illusionist and they're you know, and I think in politics you see this all the time, probably, and you know, you know, journalistic bylines or whatever. You hear people make certain kinds of statements. They're trying to pull the wool over other people's eyes. I kind of think that if one was to try and do the thing that they often say about statistics, where they're always trying to show, like, you see how these people use statistics to lie or whatever. I kind of feel like this is sort of a similar thing. People might use these kinds of fallacies in order to either A, <clears throat> boost themselves or or take someone down or whatever it is. I think they tend to do that in some settings, mostly the settings I tend to encounter them in, and it, it is a form of discrediting. I guess in that sense, I would like to say that it's probably good uh, to realize that if that is the case, if you feel like someone's trying to do that or whatever, like, eh, you're, you know, cherry picking or you're whatever, that at least acknowledging that you might be trying to say something about the person as much as you are about what they're saying, uh, you know, at least admitting that much, like eh, this kind of is sort of a fallacy in and of itself. Because I kind of think that's sort of, again, I, I think that's what happens. My interpretation of the way you're presenting it, mm -hmm. I feel like what you're trying to do is make a point about these fallacies. Like, the red herring straw man and cherry picking fallacy, among others, are just concealed ad hominem fallacies. And that's the part that I guess I'm, I like the least and I'm pushing back against the most. What I would want to say that's closest and that I would want to either pull you over to or maybe just clarify if you're already there, it's that some instances 
of tokening, that's a red herring, or ad hominem tokens. But that's not a point about the red herring fallacy as a concept or as a, as a fallacy. It's a point about particular uses by particular people in times in context. They can be used in an ad hominem manner, but I don't think these fallacies are or include an ad hominem element. I'm not all the way there with you on that. I think I just I need a definition that you're using for red herring, you know, so I can go, oh, that's what you're meaning when you're saying that or whatever. I'm using your... I don't understand. I'm using your fucking definition. What do you want? What do you mean? Well, then why would you divert attention away from the argument or from the topic? It doesn't matter. Why are you even asking why? Because you're writing... You're creating the argument. They don't just, like, grow on trees and then you can, like, look at them. I mean, people make these arguments. So, whatever. I'm talking to somebody... They do something that I consider a red herring, and I'm like, Ryan, what the fuck? That's a red herring. And then maybe you just say, oh, yeah, wait, yeah, you're right, okay. And then just abandon it. This doesn't have to be an interpersonal conflict. It can just be a red herring was tokened in our conversation. I pointed it out. You noticed the mistake and corrected it, and we continued on. Why does this have to be... Oh, you're a bastard. You're a bad guy. Look at you, token. You made red herring. It's not about... It doesn't have to be. It can be. It doesn't have to be about the author. Oh, I, I just think that it's just... I, from from the definition that I was using, it seems to me like that's what it's always about. Like, it, and maybe this is an interpretation thing or something. Okay, so the wiki definition of red herring is... A red herring is something that misleads or distracts from a relevant issue. So, if you want to get that hung up on the phrasing, where your phrasing is, red herring fallacy is where an author tries to divert attention, and then this other one is just something that misleads, and yours is like, well, I put author in my definition. So, if we switch it to... Yeah, if we switch it to yours, then yeah, you're sure. Well, that's just such a stupid place to get hung up. All right. Well, do that then. Well, but that's... But uh, why? Why Why should I... I mean, what... Now there are multiple definitions probably out there. Like, so now what do we do? You know, like, I guess... Well, wait, did you make yours up? I just c- took a conglomerate of a bunch of different ones that I found, and that that was sort of what I deduced right. from all but of them. But this part where you phrased it as, where an author tries to, I'm, you know, the, my challenge is, okay, show me where any of the definitions put authorial intent in. I'm pretty sure that came from you. Because you're already convinced that these things are about the person, about the author of these arguments. And I think that fallacies are primarily about the texts, not about the authors. Right. Yeah, maybe. I'd have to go deeper to see where Mm -hmm. I pulled it all from. 
So that what I'm trying to say is, well, when I asked the question, is the point is one of the points of your project to be stop doing so much fallacy discourse. Don't accuse people of fallacies all the time. You said no. Right? But if what you're doing is saying, whenever you guys are making all these, whenever you claimants are saying, fallacy here, all you guys are doing is being fallacious to your own self, that seems to be like a request or a recommendation that people stop being fallacy claimers. Yeah, maybe. I but don't then know. what I'm kind of at this point. <laughs> You're like, I abandoned the whole thing. I want to quit now. But I was I'm like, no, but you're actually pro fallacy or should be because like you even noticed in your thing and you presented you're like, but then I'm being a claimant when I say that they're being fallacious cuz I'm accusing them of ad hominiming. And you and when you do that it's more okay because you are ad, ad hominiming in obviously, right? You of course it's against the person and you know it is and you say it is and that makes it a little bit better. I don't know if that's part of your point, but that's something that I read into it. Maybe. But I'm thinking if you shift slightly towards the middle and do it my way, that it's actually pro-fallacy discourse because if we leave the fallacies themselves as being against the argument, not against the author, but then we also keep the ad hominem fallacy as an important one, then you can make your move and you can say, yeah, fine, you just accused me of cherry-picking, but your cherry-picking claim was fallacious because you're doing an ad hominem version of cherry picking instead of an ad liberatum or whatever against the text cherry picking. Fallacies are supposed to be about the arguments, but you just did one against me as an author. And that is an ad hominem. So you did your cherry picking claim wrong. Right? So then. If you do it that way, then we like fallacy talk and we actually do it more. Because when someone accuses me of a fallacy, then I can say, your fallacy accusation was fallacious. That's my version of something as close as I can get to what I think you want to say that I like. I don't know if any of this is making sense to you. Uh, sure. That's fine. I lost him. He's withdrawn. He's shut down. He's like, what time is it? Can we go yet? Something. All right, do you want to talk instead? Is there anything to say about the original question? Are all fallacies created equal or somehow similar or on a par? Uh, what would you have to say? I would have to say, in a sense, yes. Primarily, no, though. Like, I think in the sense that you're asking the question, I would say no. In fact, they ought not even be a group at all. (laughs) 
It's just that we, as humans, have this habit and tendency and necessity of categorizing things all the time so that we can talk about them efficiently. Otherwise, I don't think there's any good reasons to include, for example, something like a straw man and something like reification on the same list, you know. But we, that we have come to do it, and we call them all fallacies. By doing so, you have the danger of creating these white knights like I'm talking about, these critical thinkers who, it's a good thing in general, I like critical thinking, but there's these cultists that take it too far and quite offend me. When I do my little research for the meeting and watch YouTube videos and stuff about fallacies, everybody on YouTube who's talking about fallacies at all, so most people don't even talk about it, but then those who do, all that I watched take it far too seriously and think that there really are such things as fallacies and that there's a fact of the matter as to whether this text is or is not a fallacy of composition. And that if it is, it is false. It's, you know, we have to throw it out. And that sort of attitude I'm just opposed to in general. I think the whole thing should, as I already mentioned, be looked at as just one big communal argument. And making arguments from fallacies might be just kind of a style of argumentation that has this general form of the thing that you just made fits in this rubric that we have reason to suspect. And that then it's... So I like it as a tool in the toolbox, but I really don't like these people who overemphasize the destructive power of claiming fallacies. But that, no, they're not, not only are they not created equal, the only thing that they share is being called fallacies by textbooks or something. That's it. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. I will find you. And I will kill you. Okay. I don't I don't have any I don't have anything left. <laughs> Gotta admit, man. Alright, well should we get out of here? Get out of here.
as fuck I wanna stop so much I almost don't wanna stop See now 